Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This American it's the American Musical Boys. Remember that used to be the theme song with Diana Ross used to host. Anyway, hey, so I'm going to let you finish with Courtney and Amy on the Hi, Pantheon Podcast Network. What's up? It's December 1st. It's World AIDS Day. Hey, hey, hey. It is. It is World <laughs> AIDS Day. So let's, um, you know, it's really, really, uh, it, we're, it's kind of, it's, it's sort of miraculous in a way that People growing up today, young people today, may not even be able to think of someone that they know who passed away from AIDS. Well, it depends on the state you're in. Well, I'm saying they, because yeah. there, I will say there are still, and especially in the South, a lot yeah. of young black men still dying of AIDS, which you think is kind of in 2021, almost 2022, like with all of the medicines. But yeah. this is when we come back to talking about healthcare. Right. access to health care. You know, I think there's a lot of them who don't, who didn't see what we saw. Like oh for me. Oh, of course not. They weren't yeah. born. They yeah, weren't they weren't born. born. They didn't, they didn't see the mat. They didn't have friends. Like I had friends who would be going into the hospital on Friday and were dead by Monday. Oh yeah. No, no, no. We and all, it was normal after it was a while. Normal. It was really yeah. scary, but it was normal and it was really horrible. Well, let's, today is, uh, uh, has become the day without art. And so many museums throughout the country will have a piece of work or several pieces of work covered or mm-hmm. removed so that we can remember um, among the millions of people who have been impacted by HIV and AIDS that it, it had a tremendous effect on the creative community, artistic community. Oh my community. God, you think about all the artistic people so let's we just, lost. A lot. So let's, you know, whether it's someone close to you, which we have all had, or someone whose work you admire, just, you know, at the risk of being too heavy, because we are in the middle of a pandemic right now, right. but let's just remember um, those who lost their lives and, and, and remember that, uh, science and medicine can do wonders. It's true. You know, because this was a death sentence when Courtney and it, I were, it was, it was, a death it was sentence. a death sentence. It was like, tick, tick, just, you can set your watch to it. And that and, was it. And, and here's the thing that still kind of happens. And this is amazing. And then we'll, we'll really get into the show. Um, there would be a period I remember. Well, let me tell you my story all around it. Like I, you know, I remember when I first was coming out, all of the people in the stories on HIV were white men. And in my head, I was like, wow, that's like white gay men are getting this disease. Like I didn't know any black people had it. And that was just really ignorant. Five minutes in, you know, we weren't in the internet generation. We could just go on and look and there wasn't a lot of information. It was just a gay cancer. And everybody you always saw was white. Then I started to, um, you know, have friends who would get sick and 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 die really quickly, and I kind of just 
living with that as a gay man for so long and just being such a part of the community, I'm really proud of the strides that have happened. And medicine does work because I went from seeing friends suffer to just so many people I know just living regular, normal lives. I have I mean, friends a, right now who are yeah. living with AIDS. That's yeah, like, you know what I mean? It's just it's a chronic illness. Yes, a it's chronic illness. Like a chronic illness. Stuff. And and you know, I think on this day we should just reflect yeah. on all of the people we've lost and just yeah. hold their memories up and remember that the fight is not over. Not you know all. what I mean? The fight's not over. So we're all in this together. I really hope that we get to a place we realize we're better if we all just come together and try to fight stuff. All right, let's get started. What's the first thing on our show today? Well, keeping sort of in a memorial that we just want to say some brief um, mentions that we lost Two important uh, contributors to the culture, one towards the end of his life uh, and one at the beginning of his life. Stephen yeah. Sondheim, who the word legendary is thrown around a so lot, cavalierly. Right. Mm-hmm. And I this, this but, man, even if you never went to a musical in your life, you have heard, you heard him. Songs. You have heard him and he has impacted the way you listen to music. Mm-hmm. So Stephen Sondheim... I mean, is it is it fair to say probably the most important American of certainly of the modern era American composer Absolutely. and and lyricist? Absolutely. So and, listen, and, yeah. his songs have been. I mean, you, you just think about how many people have sang it. So first of all, I'm going to see a uh, the revival of Company with Patty oh, Lapone in okay. two weeks. I'm going in two weeks. Oh, that's wonderful! And, um, I'm really excited. You know, listen, he wrote really smart, great lyrics. That have lasted the test of time. West Side Story, right? Yeah, West Side Story. Which is coming out, a new version of it, which, believe it or not, it looks like it might actually be good. Because I was like, oh, my God, Steven Spielberg, West Side Story, I'm afraid. Let me just say this. They filmed that all around Harlem and all around me. And one day I was going to the store and I saw a dance sequence being filmed. And I just thought to myself... That's some questionable dancing I'm seeing right now. And when I so I'm going to hold out hope that this movie is good. But yeah. And back to Steven, you know, you think about the modern day era. He wrote the lyrics for the Madonna songs with Dick Tracy and won an Oscar for for sooner or later, which he wrote with Dick Tracy. So he just was really when you think of theater, a Sondheim musical and those songs are just the big songs. It's the top of it's 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 it's, it's what everybody strive for. Yeah, because he gave the he gave the, the actors the type of songs that gave them big moments that they could also act while singing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And really embody a character. And then the next was Virgil Abloh, the you know the first black head of men's fashion and design for Louis Vuitton and the designer of Off White. And he also did a lot of you know furniture pieces. He was a DJ. He really was someone who came in, I believe we were introduced to him as part of Kanye's team. And I believe he was Kanye's creative director. And then he at a very young age. Yeah. And then he broke out and went to one of, you know, the, the, the most famous fashion houses in the world and got a position that nobody black had ever held and really made a mark. And now I can see why, you know, sometimes you look back on people's lives and you kind of, you figure out why they were doing what they were doing. He did so much so young. And in the last couple of years, you know, he did a lot of stuff. And I think when, because he knew what he was battling, Mm -hmm. it's like, he really 
put out a lot of work and did a lot of things. And it's really devastating. I know I have friends who knew him and they, they're really upset yeah, and the fashion world is really upset. And you just, you just, it's like, fuck cancer. You know what I mean? Who hasn't been affected by cancer at, at some point in this world and just 41, it's, you know, it's always shocking Wife, when you hear children, about somebody. Yeah. You know family. what I mean? It's, it's I, terrible. I, I think for me, and um, I was actually sitting with my son and his girlfriend having uh, lunch when he looked at his phone and he was uh, very, he was like shocked um, mm-hmm. by this. I, I, I think for me that his achievements and everything, but like David Bowie, like Chadwick Boseman, these were very public people, maybe Virgil less so to the general public, but still a public person right. who was dealing with the most fearful um, thing in the world. And in an age of social media and in an age of oversharing, had the grace and the courage, I would say, to to just just to go through what he had to go through. And it's just another sign that we don't need to know everything about everybody. No, you know, not everybody I'm a firm chooses. Believer in that. And and it, it obviously it makes the shock more, I suppose. But we don't need to. So I have to admire him. And as I said, the other two people I mentioned, you know, for for not buying into our tell all society where we need to know every goddamn thing about their life or, in this case, their death. He, so, he took the, he took the Donna Summer route. Remember. The first time people found out Donna Summer was ill was when she died. Oh, yeah. No one knew that she was the ill. Freddie Mercury route too. Yeah, actually. nobody knew that she had some aggressive lung cancer that you know. Well, I, believe, I just admire yeah, that. Yeah, I yeah admire me that. too. Because, yeah. and I had a friend saying, "Well, you know, he can help so many people." I said, "Listen, that it's not everybody's job to help so many people. We know a lot about cancer. Like, the, yeah, you don't need to spread your story." That, how does that help a lot of people? It doesn't help a lot of people, no. to be honest with you. And this is not to be disrespectful. And then we get, it, it was, it, it was such a rare form of cancer right. that you would have more of a chance. They said it's like, it was uh, the time says something, but it was such an unbelievable. It wasn't like he could do a PSA and say, right. Hey kids, stop smoking. There right. was nothing he could have said or done to help anybody. And so you know what, when you're fighting a private, it's battle, not his it's business like, to do and, that. And you don't need it to be then every story about you becomes becoming that. sick yeah you know what i mean yeah so, yeah all right um uh, from the the devastating and the and the remembering people to like there was the soul train awards were on the other night yeah i, I guess that I, happened I, I and this is what i'm gonna say <laughs> once again okay let me put a an advertisement out to anybody doing award show if you want amy linden revered cultural critic to pay attention to your shit stop putting it on a sunday night i'm watching real i'm watching 90 day fiance well, I knew it was happening only because it happened at the Apollo and they taped it days oh, before. Okay. So I saw when they were doing the taping and all of that stuff. But it's like, so who won? Okay. I have no idea. Yeah, Normani won. For, uh, I guess, really? And I was like, How are they? And that's, really? and that's yeah. when I was like, who? and the show is over. It's over. Thank yeah. you very much. Bless her like, heart. Normani who has put out, who has put out like 75 singles and none of it. Yeah. Uh, Maxwell got all, a lot. Yeah. Normani who we're all looking at like, you know what? You you all you were supposed to where's your album? 
Your, oh, your, yeah. your, your ex band mate's about to put out her third album and you still haven't put out one. This is like yeah, the 95th single. She's, it, yeah, yeah. She's turning yeah, into the yeah. black Rita Ora with better uh, but, choreography. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, um, uh, What's Maxwell, a Rita Ora? What is that? It's a, it's a, it's a skin condition you oh, get. If you okay. put so a salve on it, yeah, you can get an ointment to get, for, yeah, okay, get, cool, 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 to get rid of it. Yeah. Okay, Yeah. I'm so worried for Yeah, no, no, no. Don't worry. Don't worry. Four out of five doctors recommend ignoring to get Arita rid of Rhea oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, she's good, going in our good. box. I would say she's going in our box and forget it, but she's never done anything that we have to remember. No, Bless and her the heart. good thing is, it's like, we haven't talked about her in so long, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but anyway, I think Maxwell got a Lifetime something award mm-hmm. achievement and Ashante. And Maxwell has a new single out, which I was actually mm-hmm. listening to last night. And it mm-hmm. kind of is like, who cares? I mean, for me, I, I think Maxwell's great, but what I always liked about Maxwell is that there was kind of, at least his last two records were kind of edgy and there was kind of a, and this, he just sounds like a, oh, this is, I don't want to say anything mean about him, but it, his voice doesn't sound as good as it does. But anyway, they got an achievement award and he's very worthy though. I mean, the guy's 41 lifetime. I mean, that's a little, or 42. Fun fact, <laughs> I worked at Columbia. So I worked, I was there for a couple of his albums. Yeah. And I just don't, we don't, we don't, I don't talk about him. Yeah, I know. But I, my dealings with him were always, I will tell you one funny story about Maxwell. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and Ashanti wanted to work. Okay. The, mm-hmm. So I interviewed Maxwell, I think on the first record. Mm-hmm. And I was very often like the canary in the coal mine. They would send me in publicists mm-hmm. to see, to talk to the black artists, to mm-hmm. see if he could translate to the whites. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, you know, I spreck and see black so I could talk to them. And so we met at the Bowery Bar, Bowery Bar. Yeah, Bowery Bar, Bowery Restaurant. And um, yeah, because he used to like to meet and his interviews would be at the, the B yeah. Bar on. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. So this was yeah. like we had lunch and he was very nice. And it was the first album, Buzz, Buzz, Buzz. And this was one of the first interviews he had ever done. And uh, for DJ Times, remember that? Magazine? Oh, my God. It's still around, DJ Times. Is it good? Mm-hmm. I, I loved it. But anyway. So he's really nice, super nice. And I get up. I didn't know you wrote for DJ Times. Oh, for years. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had no idea that you Oh, wrote my God. For DJ it was so Times, much fun. Friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked to every Italo <laughs> disco group known to mankind. No, I literally talked to like every hot black girl mm-hmm. lip syncing in front of a track <laughs> known to mankind. But, but anyway, he mm. get, I get up to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I am wont to do, mm-hmm. and he and I come back, and he says to me, oh, "Are those Todd Oldham jeans?" Mm-hmm. Okay, first no, two no, and three. Like, dude, if you're checking out my ass, that just says everything you need to know about me. Mm-hmm. The, the guy's checking out my ass to see what brand of jeans I'm wearing. So, wham, wham. but anyway, mm-hmm. yay, Soul Train Awards. Silk mm-hmm. Sonic made their debut right i mean that's no, the first they, time they no no they performed they, just on the amas they've been performing all right but all they did the in front of the soul train uh yeah, stage and yeah. it was fun listen mm-hmm. i have no problem with that record any at all i have no mm-hmm. problem with it yeah okay uh, Bruno Bars yeah it's fun i have I no problem with fun at this point um all right so courtney and i have been championing this really uh underground unsung young singer that we think that I don't know. I think what's the name? Adelaide. Adelaide. Uh, Adelaide. 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 Oh, Adele. Adele. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so glad. I think people like her record or something. They're catching on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're such, you know, we're prophets. I mean, Mm -hmm. really. Um, 
there's nothing. So here, all right, newsflash. She sold a billion records. Yeah. Shocking, mm-hmm. right? More than I think uh, Normani did times 5 million. But mm-hmm. she sold, no, she sold a ton of records. Blah, of blah, course, blah. Everywhere, 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 just everywhere. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and right. And streams and vinyl mm-hmm. and actual whatever CDs, whatever mm-hmm. people buy. And uh, it's gotten great. I mean, universally great reviews. So mm-hmm. this is not like a case of something shitty selling a lot of copies. Mm-hmm. But now she's doing, I don't know. I know people really don't like to tour. And I know she's a mom. And I know COVID and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But she's going to be doing a residi- residency in Las Vegas, which to me is like, like that's supposed to do what you do when you're wrapping up your career. No, that, but that's, start- that's that. No one thinks like that anymore. That's okay. that hasn't been that for a long time. Okay. It's the place now people go when they're like, listen, I don't want to really go on the road and go around the world as much as I used to. And yeah. she's only doing Friday, Saturday. So you have to come see her on the weekend. It's weekends with Adele. She does so Friday not- and Saturdays from J- January through April. So she's not, She's not an observant Jew, I take it. Okay, that solves. I was wondering yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and you know, and listen, I like the idea of that for someone like her who's had a lot of vocal issues. True. That is probably the easiest way to minimize her traveling, you know, all those different climates going yeah. on and off of planes, especially if you have vocal issues. Well, isn't Vegas throat like a thing? Isn't well, that a real yes, thing? Yes, because it's a very dry town, right? Yeah. But the way they built those theaters and everything, they've been, been built specifically for these entertainers. Oh. So the, 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 you know what I mean? So that yeah, yeah, is yeah. all factored in. Perfect. All right. Them. And Vegas, when you have a residency there... They treat you good. The housing they give you, like the star, like they treat them and their teams really well. And listen, th- you have to sign up for um, Ticketmaster's verified van- fan program and get a code to be able to buy the tickets. Okay. And you know they're going to sell out pretty immediately. And oh, like I would say within two hours or something like that. Yeah. Because yeah. she, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you cleared that up for me, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to be great. And yeah, mm-hmm. she has had, she is famously not a big tourer. She has said she has stage fright. So this will be but something then she, she got over s- that. Remember what happened really the her, the, the throat is what I think scared yeah. her. Remember, she had to camp the last tour, the two big shows she was supposed to end at home at Wembley. Right. Right. And that's the pinnacle of British artists. You want if you play Wembley Stadium, you right. know you've made it. But her throat, she couldn't do it, which is why now we have the two Hyde Park shows, July 1st and 2nd, that is turning everybody out because the tickets are, you know, the way they've done it is the festival seating and the tickets are really expensive. And most of the ticket options are really far from the stage, unless you get like the Diamond VIP package, which are like $900 tickets. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Well, speaking of ridiculous, <laughs> how did such a night, um, our, our friend of the show, Michael Azarad, and friend mm-hmm. of mine said, how did such a nice guy like Mario Cuomo raise such two scumbags? I mean, I mean, I suppose I Andrew you. is more of a scumbag because of. All right. So basically what happened, Andrew Cuomo, former governor, scumbag is going to be brought up on all charges, blah, blah, blah. His brother, Chris Cuomo. Well, let's first let's talk about Letitia James released a bunch of the videos from his deposition. So that's what, start, yeah, that's, that's what started off. And we get to see him answer these questions. And we kind of get to see him being a complete fucking dick. He's, he's a dick. A, I mean, we and you're watching him, and it's like you hear his arguments back, and I'm like, but when I watch you, yeah, 
It's exactly. like you're that guy because no, look at the way you're acting. Like you're so that guy. He's and that, that guy. aide, the one that everybody said rumored his De La Rosa. Lover, when yeah. I watched her, I was like, yeah, you're everything about, yeah, both of you. Yeah, <laughs> this, this should shut down all the men out there who were like, these women were making it up. Yeah, because um, the way he acted, I was like, wow, no, you really are an asshole. It's the arrogance of power. So anyway, at the time that the initial stuff was going on, Chris Cuomo, who's a you know the top-rated anchor on CNN, which um, was it, they found out he was advising him, and CNN took a very kind of hands-off. They went, "Well, you really shouldn't do that," but he's your brother. We understand. Well, now and because it turns he out, wasn't reporting on it, they're like, "You're right. not reporting on it." Right. But, it was but, like it was a fine ethical line, but it, it was a very it, yeah. Fine they thought it's line. like. All right. Well, now it turns out that he was doing more than advising. He was actively seeking to look at sources. He was actively, I'll call my sources on her. I'll find out this. And, and do you remember he, they were making jokes like we should just get rid of all the women in the office? And that, yeah. it's just like, uh, no. So he's um, OK. Yeah. So <laughs> a, he's not that great of a fucking journalist to begin with. But that's a whole nother question. has pulled him up there indefinitely. Yeah. So he's indefinite. And I will get I will make a bet now that he will not come back. I just said that I said that yesterday. I was like, pulled up the air and definitely means you're still under contract. Right. So we're not just yelling you're fired. Right. But you will be sitting out your contract. Yeah, you'll be sitting out your contract and will reappear a la Brian Williams at 12 o'clock at night somewhere. But not but not but not on see. But now here's here's the problem. Right. Brian. Brian Williams shit was fucked up. You know, well, yeah, that was really fucked up. Yeah, yeah. This is a different kind of. This is a different kind of. But this is this goes into a level of like, and that's what makes me feel like is another news organization. Even though he he has a well, listen, people are so forgiving these days. They just roll. But he's definitely out for the holiday. He's going to be out for a while because. Yeah, I don't, not, I don't think I don't see him back on the air at CNN. I just don't see that happening. No, his the staff at CNN was very upset about this um, because it's a betrayal a little bit. You know what it's I mean? A complete ethical violation. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're like I got some information on the it's one a from complete the wedding. Ethical. <laughs> it is like ethics 101. It's and like here's the <laughs> thing. I'm not going to say I wouldn't help my sister or my brother, but you wouldn't dig up dirt. But on guess him. what? But even if I did. You wouldn't see a paper trail. You would not know. But that's the arrogance of the Cuomo's. Mm-hmm. That's the arrogance of, excuse me, men. That mm-hmm. is the arrogance of men. Women are going to, not all women, but women will get nailed on this. This is the arrogance mm-hmm. of like, I'm a rich white man and I'm getting good ratings and I'm, you know, I can get away with what whatever I want. I want. Right. Yeah. I you know. I want. Um, all right. So there was, okay. I'm, you know, I have to start <laughs> leveraging my rock and roll hall of fame, nom com mm-hmm. status to something because there was a document. There is a documentary that is streaming on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings. You know, blah blah blah. A eight hour, nine hour documentary, and, three parts. And about, each part is like two and a half. Three yeah, hours. yeah, it's to- yeah, it's quite long. Um, of the how they made the sausage of the Let It Be album, the Beatles mm-hmm. Let It Be album. Now, previously, it's called Get Back. Previously, it had been something where. Um, you know, let it be the movie was out. It, it mm-hmm. showed the disintegration of the Beatles, the famous rooftop concert, and the and mm-hmm. and the, the 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 message has always been that Yoko broke up the band. They were angry. Mm-hmm. Never anyway. Long story short, this is supposed to be exhaustive. Okay, 
I am the only white person of a certain age who has not seen this goddamn movie. Oh, and really? So, yes, <laughs> because I don't have. Okay, well, a I don't I don't know if I could sit through nine hours of anything, but let alone I I don't really whatever they're broken up. That's fine, but. Not that I don't like the Beatles. I don't want people going, you hate the Beatles. I have nothing but respect for the Beatles. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is that, come on. I feel like there's this conversation going on and I have no idea what's happening. So anybody out there, I pro- give it to me for a month. Give me the Disney Plus for a month. I'll watch it. Just come on. Come on. I mean, come on. We're Courtney Anderson yep. and Amy Linden, for Christ's sakes. Give us the damn membership for a month. That's all. Don't make me find it on the interwebs. Well, I kind of <laughs> have, like, you know, I have a, Dis- a Disney Plus um We'll have this login. conversation off. But, <laughs> but I also, I'm a Beatles fan. I enjoy their music, but I didn't care. I was like, yeah, oh, it's yeah. too long. It's, it's too And I love a good music documentary. So the thing is, I will eventually watch it. And maybe over the holidays when I'm when I'm home you have with, nothing with my to family. Do. Yeah. And fill up the days because my mom's not a big Beatles fan. She won't watch it with me. But, you know, I'll be I'm up sometimes late at night and maybe I'll just watch it one night or start watching the pieces. Or maybe I'll watch one of them on the ride to Richmond or something. I don't know. All right. Let's we just want to briefly mention. And then we have a guest today, the author, Sean Sotero, and he's going to talk about his book, Dummy Boy, Takashi Six Nine and the Nine Trey Gangster Bloods. And but we want to briefly mention that. Um, why don't you talk about Josephine Baker real quick, and then I'll mention Rihanna. You know, I look at America and I think we always love to pat ourselves in the back. We think we're doing something, and then out of the blue, I'm turning on my. T- I kept seeing people post Josephine Baker, and I was like, "Is it her birthday? Did I? Because she's already I, dead. Right, we know that." Been, and I was like, "Did I miss something?" <laughs> But, you know, I'm really on a news break because I can't with the news. It's, it's too much negativity. And I turned on and it says Josephine Baker has become the first black woman honored at the Pantheon in Paris. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that's, that's major. Major. So congratulations. And then when they run down legacy. her history and her legacy, and it's like, you think about this country, like she was run out of here just because she wanted to be an entertainer and be black and to go to France, be celebrated. The fact that she passed messages to the to the resist you know like during the war and yeah you just think about who she was and the fact that they honored her with such a big honor and yeah. watching the pomp and circumstance and the ceremony of it all it was beautiful and it just re- it made me very proud it made me very 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 proud um and we just want to mention um Barbados uh, how has, fear, and how has fierce declared, is that? Yeah, I mean, talk <laughs> about dropping the mic. Oh, and by the way, and uh, uh, oh, by the way, we're not going to like fuck with you anymore, Queenie. And they are now an independent nation after many, many years and public. And they have made Rihanna, who is the favorite daughter of that country, uh, a national hero. And I'm like, yay. If I'm going to have a hero of my country, I want it to Let be, it be Rihanna. Let you know it be Rihanna. Saying? Shine bright like a diamond, baby. It was I'm so like, fierce to see that. I was like, I love it. Work, Rihanna. Work. I love it. And she didn't try to take the spotlight either. Otherwise, some people we might think of no, more famous. You know, who, you, you know that you could see that she felt honored. really humbled and yeah. honored because she's already been a really, and she's an ambassador for Barbados. She's sure. done a lot of work for the tourism industry for Barbados. And she works with the, you know, the, the ministry of tourism. She just, you know, you look at that woman and you say, wow. From Shout Pond, out to our Bayesian people. And, and who from Pond the Replay to this is spectacular. Yeah, It really, really is. 
All right. We are going to now talk with um, Complex uh, contributing editor and longtime writer, Sean Sotero, who uh, has just written a book called Dummy Boy, Takashi 69 and the Nine Tray Gangster Blood. I wish we had <laughs> visuals here because <laughs> the cover is both terrifying and eye-catching <laughs> at the same time I was, I was talking about the cover of the book sean it is both terrifying and eye-catching which i suppose is a perfect segue into talking about takashi who is both terrifying and eye-catching he's <laughs> such a pol such a polarizing dude like when when amy told me you were coming i was like great because i wanted to ask him why this dude he's so polar like i have a friend who loves him and i just do not get it. I never got it. And she'd be like, but he's so cute. And I feel so bad for him. I was like, you feel bad for him? Hi, Sean. Welcome hey, to Sean. the show. Thank you. for <laughs> Nice to see you. So, yeah, why of all the gin joints in the world, why walk into Takashi's? <laughs> so first, hey, Amy, Courtney, thanks for thanks for oh, having me on. Course. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Of course, of course. So yeah, I mean, look, if you look at my past background work, like you wouldn't necessarily expect that this would be the first story I would take on. But, you know, it it kind of all started in, you know, 2018. I was at Complex. I was a staff writer there. And the SoundCloud wave was just huge. Yeah. Right. And we were kind of trying to figure out how are we as a publication going to cover that? And these guys don't need us. They can just stare at their phones and talk to millions of people rather than give an interview where they don't have control over the whole thing. And, you know, I got told <laughs> by, by people uh, at the, at the spot that like, okay, you've got to figure out something to do about this Takashi guy. Uh, he had come into the office and we were all a little like, I, I think I go over this book, he came to the office and we were like, I don't know, there are these rumors about him. Like, you know, we were a little, you know, not rude, but a little standoffish, a little yeah. like, you know, not not rushing to to, to speak Jump to him. Right now, of course, right. I regret right. it and wish I'd plied him with quite, you know, hours of questions about everything. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. you know, what can you do? So, you know, I had this mission where I had to write something about him and about the phenomenon and you know it was suggested okay well what about this treyway guy who's always around him who turned mm -hmm. out to be <clears throat> turned out to be his sort of pseudo manager shoddy mm -hmm. who plays a big role in the book and i started delving into all of the people around takashi and before i could turn that into a story the arrests happened and we were right. kind of off to the races from there and you were like i'm on to something <laughs> i gotta tell you first of all i worked at his the high school well i don't know if he actually attended but i worked at the, the junior one, high school juan campos 71 yeah yeah, yeah juan yeah. campos yeah i worked there yeah. and there and people say do you remember him i said his name was daniel hernandez how would i have remembered <laughs> i mean not to be rude but it's <laughs> like the school was right. mainly mexican and dominican and he did not have the hair and i'm assuming he never came to class but i do know people who remember him okay so i i will freely admit that part of my like what the fuck with him was generational just and being you know i'm still not that i don't listen to contemporary rappers but i'm looking at going what is this this is just like the the rantings of like a kid and you know it's generational music is meant to piss off older people i am a, officially an older person but once you started diving into it and realized there was more than the music, what, what, how did, what, 
why did he do this? It almost feels like this is one of the greatest grifts of of music. Well, is that, playing, is, but but it's playing. Is with that, that rude? Is that a rude thing? No, to but say? it's playing with that street shit. This is what I always tell people: the streets are very real. Don't think you can't dip in and out of that shit. You can't dip in and out of gangs. And I, you know, people try to do it for a certain amount of cred and trying to be this thing, but the streets are very real, and they don't forget. And if they help you with something there is something you're going to have to give in return. I mean, that's, that's what, that's what he found out. Right. And, and to, to your point, Courtney, like he got in his head and people around him got in their heads that this guy with this look and this ethnicity, quite honestly, this ethnic background of, of being Mexican plus a street gang would equal music success before it happened. That was the, you know, that was the idea. Right. And he, you know, as I elaborate in the book, he tried it. He tried to do that with a crip set in Brooklyn mm-hmm. and sort of got shut down and then got the opportunity to do it with a blood set in Brooklyn. And that took off. Right. So, you know, it didn't it didn't much matter, you know, sort of which which side it was just kind of like these were the these were the people who would accept him. Because he and like, him was like marketing. He was like, this is part of the marketing plan. Yeah, this this is the thing that's going to make me stand out is, right. is this incongruity. Right. right. I look right. so crazy, but I'm around all these tough guys. Is it right. is it a joke? Is it real? And, and you see it in the documentary as well, which you were very involved with and your book. I mean, this was almost a perverse brilliance. He went, I'm going to wear these T-shirts and everybody's mm-hmm. going to. Ca- I mean, this is for a digital age where you, you know, this is for a world star age. Where, and that's probably even a dated reference it now. But, you know, no, he was he was not star. making music so that critics would like it. He was making music to get hits. You know, I mean, is yeah, that fair? I, I, absolutely. I mean, look, he was doing the clothing before he was rapping right he was you know making making these clothes like you said with outrageous things on them stds hiv you know the n-word whatever um and well before he was known as a musician uh people on message boards knew him as pussy n-word because that's what you know the the read on his clothes in like one photograph that sort of made the rounds um you know, it wasn't his idea to do music, right? His future manager walks into the deli he's working at and he's like, you, you've got this look, you've got this voice, you don't appear, you know, you're, you're Hispanic, like you are going to be my delivery system for my music. And that, hey, kid, that I'm going to make you a star. I'm going yeah, hey, to make you a star. And that, that particular iteration didn't really work or worked, you know, only nominally, but it set him on the path. And I think got him realizing that, you know, he could do this and it set the road and the connections to get him to this, you know, stardom in his second sort of faux gangster iteration. Did, did I, I did. You did talk to him for the book or this is sort of like a culmination of your reporting and and you have sat down and talked with him before. I have. So I have talked to him, but it was like not. Substantive enough enough to really be used in the book, like it was around the time this last album came out and we were negotiating to try to do an interview that didn't end up happening. So there were like a couple days of phone calls trying to set that up. But most, the vast majority of the research for the book was done. You know, I heard him talk for three days on the stand, three straight days. And that to me was far better than an interview because there was a built in, uh, 
you know, there was sort of a, a built-in need for him to tell the truth. Whereas, right, right. He couldn't have a handler there. He had like, yeah. put your hand in the Bible. It's amazing how little you'll bullshit. When you're yeah, I mean, well, there. well, look, he he had to be a good witness because his, he knew that his freedom depended on it. Right. The way it was set up was if he was a good witness, you know, the next step would be the government writes a letter that says, please, judge, don't put him in. Don't make him serve any more time in prison. And then the step after that is the judge says, oh, look at this nice letter from the government. You know, maybe I'll let him out. As it turned out, he had to serve, you know, a nominal few more months. And after, then he got you know, out because of COVID out. or something like then that. He, then, he, then he ended up getting out and led to house arrest a little early because of COVID. But yeah, so like, you know, sure, sure, an interview would have been great. But the thing about him in interviews is sometimes he tells the truth. And sometimes he tells these little lies just to make himself look a little better. Yeah, because he's a character. Everything about right. him is like a perform. Like, did he really think he could just be like, okay, gang, I'm done. Right. Thank you. Thank right. you thanks. so much. Yeah, thanks, Thank drug- thanks, thanks. murderous drug dealing now I'm gonna gang. Go over here. Be, yeah, yeah I, like he did, he, in his mind, somebody from, like, he is from Bushwick, fucking Brooklyn, not the new gentrified version with coffee mm-hmm. shops. Yeah, certainly the, the and he yeah. is from Bushwick. When all of us from New York, I was born in Brooklyn. I didn't go to Bushwick until I was an adult. There was I no didn't reason go to for Bush- me to go. I went to Bushwick once, and I was <laughs> like, was I no never want to go, to go back Bushwick. here again. So <laughs> I am not going to buy that he did not know. You can't just say thank you so much for everything. Right. I'm well, going to go this, over this, here. This, this was his pattern, Courtney. Right? It was like, and you you can see this in the book where. He adopts a person or a group of people, you know, moves to the next stage and then jumps to another figure. Right. He had he had his initial scum gang crew in Bushwick Mm -hmm. and then he had, uh, you know, this sort of confusingly also called scum gang, a different group of people in Flatbush who were a little older, who kind of mentored him in music stuff. And then there was Nine Trey. And then, you know, he attempted to make another leap once he was a star and and you know i haven't talked to him about this but my assumption is at that point he was already doing songs with kanye west Nicki minaj right and you know he went out to do a video shoot with kanye and Nicki, and someone shot through the window and so you know my 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 speculation is you know he was like well okay i gotta you know professionalize this operation a little bit because it was right around then that he sort of you know, dumps the gang. He he feels they're stealing from him. All this stuff, and and wait, you know, I think I, I think that a was gang, his attempt to a gang engaging in criminal activity. <laughs> I, I I'm sorry, Sean. This interview is over. I can't. This is just not even valid information. I, I I will say, you know, I have never quite been able to uncover exactly what was going on with his his finances and nine tray. I do know he made them you know, half a dozen, five or six large voluntary, in quotes, payments. Mm -hmm. But he claims that beyond that, they were stealing, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars from him, misrepresenting the amount of money he was getting paid for gigs. Uh, He seems to believe that very strongly. Uh, I've sort of heard from people who both believe that and who say, well, no, they they absolutely didn't do that. Things were just chaotic. And is that you know, the, is that the in now in the book, is that the family that lives in Bed-Stuy, the, the mother and father, the brother and sister? Is that tra- is that the Treyway? You, you know, what I'm talking about there was like a, yeah, a yeah, family yeah. An, of a, a maternal figure guy, his guy and his his aunt. Yeah. OK. And, and her her mother owned the house. And so, yeah, so they. They were a part, a sort of faction of nine tray folks who got pushed out of Daniel's career 
by Shadi, right? They, in the early days, he was sleeping on their floor. He was editing videos at their house. Like, you know, this guy, uh, Seiko Billy, was going to all of Takashi's early interviews and live shows and video shoots. And they actually came up with the name Treyway. And it was their idea originally to have Treyway Entertainment. And over a period of months, Shadi just kind of took the name and took control of Takashi's career and money and said, hey, you can't see these guys anymore and sort of pushed, pushed them out of the way. And I, I'm sure they believe that he that Shadi stole. I, I don't know if I've if I've talked to them directly about their, you know, their belief of that, but they they don't have many kind words for him. I mean, he's not a stupid guy. I mean, you from reading about him and, and again, seeing the documentary, which and it says a lot are joking aside about not caring about him. The, the the story is compelling enough that you do care. You don't. It's not that you care about him, but it's a compelling story. It's a very much an American, you know, everything that's good and bad about success. But do you, he was not a stupid guy. He had issues, you know, all sorts of issues we all do. But do you think he was cognizant of the fact at some point it's like, what have I gotten myself into here? I mean, I think this this whole story is about being over your head, right? And sort of realizing you're over your head and being like, oh my goodness, what do I, what do I do about it? And I think to some extent that thing that that Courtney alluded to, where you know, right before the arrest, he sort of fires everybody in his orbit and says, you know, I'm leaving all these guys behind. I'm doing my own booking. If I don't tell you I'm doing a concert, then I'm not doing a concert. Like you, you can't trust the people around me. Was his attempt to kind of like extricate himself from a situation where, yeah, I think he felt like he had lost control and he definitely likes control. I mean, he never, once he fired uh, his sort of original manager, he never had another manager. Shadi played kind of a managerial role, but was never sort of technically Takashi's manager. And, you know, he, he preferred the chaos of like, you know, well, this guy makes travel arrangements. And then after a few weeks, this guy, and maybe it'll be the driver, maybe it'll be the security guard, you know, sort of whoever picks up the slack will handle the day-to-day stuff. I think there was something about him that preferred that to having someone else have control over what was going on with him. I yeah, but now he's lost complete, yeah. complete control because he's a marked man for the rest of his life. Yeah, how is the he streets not never, ever, ever forget. They do not. It yeah. can be five years. It could be 10 years. It could be 20 years. You come back and there's generations of people who remember. It's like, if I feel like he put his whole family in a certain situation because if they can't get to you, they will, like, they will. I look at this story and it's a cautionary tale for people trying to create a faux persona playing with the streets. The street, you may love to repeat your favorite rap lyrics back and think all of that is really fly and you know you see it and you think it's one thing, but it's not a game. It does not turn off and on. And I think that he flipped him. When he basically gave up all of those folks, he flipped an on switch that cannot be turned off. So what's he supposed to do? Does he think he's going to come back in some form and try to have a career? And I mean, he, do a he, show has, he has he has tried. He is trying. I know mm-hmm. that like uh, he claimed in a recent interview that, you know, while in his first days out of prison and back in public, he had a ton of security. He doesn't anymore. I, mm-hmm. you know, again, I'm not around him every day. I don't know if that's true, but. 
certainly he very ostentatiously had a ton of security when he first started making public appearances. And it's there seems to be to keep up a lot of security. And seems, if you're not yeah, it's very expensive and making his, money, having 24 seven security now. Yeah. Yeah. So for for whatever reason, and you can read into it what you want, I think mm-hmm. he, there is less of that now, at least according yeah. to him. Um, you guys are right that, you know, the the nine tray has a, you know, a metaphorical menu, right, of people who have crossed them in some way. Right. And I think by any reasonable definition, he's on it. But, you know. I don't know practically what that means. I know certainly he's very high profile and people don't want to be, you know, don't want to get in, yeah. get in I mean, trouble and, and I mean, take the risks go of Iowa. going to a high He'd profile target. Hair, number one, he's not going to like blend in in Sioux City somewhere, you know, right. I mean. Right. I mean, he he had the opportunity for witness protection and, and turned it down um, and, you know, is trying to continue as a public figure. He's, you know, doing YouTube videos now and, Why? you know. I mean, making, I know you can't get into it. It's hard. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like, what does he, I mean, I understand the ego involved and the invincibility. When you're young, you think you can escape anything. And maybe he's naive enough to think, oh, they didn't get me immediately. So I'm good to go. But what is it in him? He is just tempting fate, it seems like. Or is that part of his personality that he's just so reckless that he doesn't give a damn, you know? I mean, that's part of it. But also there's this need for attention, right? And this is one of the things I think I try to get at in the book is like, as far as I can tell, you know, really what has always driven him is a need for attention and how he gets attention and how he learned to get attention. And it, it worked. It took him from, you know, nothing from from working at a deli and and having a mom go through the garbage to find him clothes to worldwide stardom was poking at people hey hey it's me it's me it's me it's me right and and you know annoying people until they paid attention and couldn't look away and you know to my mind it's kind of like that worked so well why would you stop right there's there's that element and then there's the doing that to people who everyone right thinks back. of as untouchable well, right. right i mean i mean i understand in a sense i mean you know uh, uh, being in the world we all, we all know people like that who are like look at me look at me type of thing but it just i don't know maybe i'm thinking about it in too practical and logical terms because we're not dealing with practical or logical i mean he's not obviously not a logical person he's strategic but he's not logical. It just yeah. seems, and could he even come back? Let's just talk about musically. I mean, hip hop changes every five. It's probably changed since we've been talking to you. Is he, is his audience there still? I mean, there are still young curiosity, people I think, around, yeah. around the world who love him. Like, like the person Courtney was talking mm-hmm. about. Right. Yeah. And, but you know, the last album did less than expected. Um, so it, in a certain sense, I think the, the culture has sort of moved past him. He was very much not just musically, stylistically, but, you know, culture wise, he was sort of very much of the Trump era, right? The president of the United States was someone who was poking at people, right? right. And who would just kind of say stuff to get a reaction, whether, you know, and, and the, the truth of it was, you know, immaterial, um, and, and would go at foes regardless of propriety and, and lived for, 
you know, attention and pissing sort people Sort of the off. Marjorie Taylor Green yeah. of hip hop. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, look at me. Like, and and, and the, so, not so, that we still don't have those lunatics, but we are in a much more kind of sober time in well, terms of like, well, there's, well there's always going to be trolls. I think bigger than that is who's going to give him hot beats? Who's really going to work with him? A lot of people, if they still have any connection to the street, doing something for this guy is almost like they're going to look at you a little like, Sure, it is, you know, it is much harder you know, for him to get high-profile collaborators. Yeah, you know what I mean? Now, they're right. going to be like this. Yeah. Because if you're doing hip-hop, who are you selling records to? Yeah, you have your mass market, but your core is always going to be, mm-hmm. if, especially if you're a certain type of hip-hop artist, is the street. So in doing research for this book, was there anything that you found out that you didn't know that surprised you? I would say basically everything in that, what I mean by that is, you know, the research for this book and for the for the podcast I did about Takashi that is called Infamous uh, that's on Spotify, like basically, uh, or I should say that I did with with my incredible team over at over at Complex and, and Spotify and and Angie Martinez graciously uh, narrated. Nice. Um, you know, while we were putting that together, we were kind of uncovering all of this you know, in the immediate aftermath of, of his arrests, right? While I was reporting on the case, while I was interviewing people for the podcast, so that, you know, a, however long it was, nine months after the arrest, when the, when the trial happened, you know, by that point, I had sort of uncovered all, many of the layers of what was really going on. Right. But that process of getting there was kind of endlessly fascinating. I, I, I think of it as kind of, almost two roads one running on top of another where the the road that is above ground that you see is the videos and the songs and the the billboard charting stuff and sort of the public beefs and then the stuff underneath is really sort of what was going on with the gang and the the shootings you don't hear about and the the five figure payments he's funneling to the gang and their their beefs that then spill over into his rap world and all this kind of stuff. And so what I learned was kind of sort of uncovering all of that as it, as it went along to the point that when he finally testified, it, it confirmed a lot of that. And there were, you know, we certainly filled in some small details I didn't know about, but, and, you know, filled in some scenes that I hadn't been at that, it, that then made it into the book, but the, the large arc of what he told by that time I'd managed to, you know, we'd managed to kind of uncover by other sources. I mean, yeah. you just sort of juxtap, not that I am condoning either material, but you look at someone like another hometown hero of hip hop, Bobby Schmurder, who just kept his mouth shut, did his time and then came out and people want to work with him. You know, it's like Courtney was saying, who would want to work with this guy? I mean, you're basically, mm-hmm. it's gotta be somebody from like, Latvia or something who has not I know he was big in like Latvia wasn't he or something yeah, it was weird? it was uh it was Slovakia and yeah. that you yeah. know and 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 the, the Czech Republic in these places yeah it was a for, for the, one of the odd things about his early career is he did <laughs> no, he did he shows was, in Russia like, and Eastern yeah. Europe before like before the United States the well Russia and Eastern Europe being targeted on. by the government is just like a walk in the park <laughs> it's I like mean. that guy who looked like that that's where he's the star first that's yeah. the weirdest shit on the yeah, planet yeah 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 I mean because it's exotic right I mean it's like oh my yeah, god I mean, there was there was a there was a very small sort of SoundCloud scene in in mm-hmm. in Slovakia and this guy <laughs> this guy Yaksha somehow heard you know I go over go over the book and talk it's to Yaksha really like heard, heard his music I think I would hear this morning when I woke up 
There's a small sound called scene in Slovakia. In Slovakia. Well, <laughs> it's like, but it was funny. I mean, you see it. I mean, you do see it in the documentary. It's just sort of funny. You're like, and it's almost like a joke when people, you know, joke around like I'm really big in the Benelux countries. He was really big in the former Soviet Union. Okay. So here's yeah. my big question to you. Mm-hmm. Are you going to send him the book? Do you think he's going to read this book? So I, I know. <laughs> I know. With no I mean, return address, Sean. Send him without a return address. Exactly. I mean, look, I, I know that his record label is aware of the book and certainly mm-hmm. people around his, you know, his label, people around his label head are aware of it. Um, I certainly would be very curious for him to read it and hear mm-hmm. what he thinks. But I feel like, you know, I got the full story. I hope he comes across it, um, you know, but. How do you, you know, think the gang a, will react to your book? I mean, look, I think that they will actually, you know, I don't know if they're all going to love it. Certainly there are people who were convicted of things that are described in this book that are appealing their convictions, even though in in at least one case they pled guilty right uh and are saying you know have a different take on what happened than you know the the existing evidence and the law and my judgment from what i saw of everything had you know says so they may they may disagree but overall i think it's pretty you know i think that the people who are around you know it's a lot of it is their words right is their recollections is stuff that they said is messages they sent at the time. And I would say that I tried my best to be delicate stuff, you know, stuff that uh, was extraneous to the story that maybe would have revealed something, you know, that wasn't strictly necessary to the storytelling I left out. Um, And so I I think they would certainly, I hope (laughs) respect that. So yeah. I will say um, that having read it, um, you are you. It's really good reporting. It's really good storytelling, but it's not salacious and scandalous. You 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 treat it journalism. Um, you, you, yeah, journalism. You don't buy, Thank right, you. You don't journalism. buy. You don't buy into the the hoopla. You you are reporting it, even though he is the definition of hoopla. So I will give you kudos, definitely kudos for that. That you take Thank a you. very extravagant person and treat it like a. A serious news story, which it is, because as you said, this is about more than just some kid who became a rapper. I mean, there's a yeah, bigger it, question. It, it is like there's and there's a bigger question about like how we live our lives these days, right? With with you know, our looking at our phones all the time, right? right. And and that that next hit of dopamine from like, and I'm in the middle of this now promoting the book, right? It's like you know, oh, did people enough people look at my interview? Are enough people pre-ordering the book? Like me, 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 me. And, you know, we're, we're all caught up in that to some extent. And that's really where he lived. And I think there's, there's a, a lesson for us all there about attention for its own sake and what the, the need for that can lead to. Uh, um, uh, I, the book is out now, right? The or book will be, will be published uh, December 21st, but okay. you can pre-order it now anywhere right. books are available. Wherever books uh, are on. It's on it. This is complex is imprint. 
So the publisher is Kingston Imperial, and it's sort of in partnership with Complex. So okay. the, the full title is Complex Presents Dummy Boy, Takashi 6ix9ine, and the Nine Train Gangsta Boys. And the cover, like I yeah, said. I'm, 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 I'm so glad you appreciate the cover the art. The cover, it's like I said, it's both terrifying and eye-catching at the same time. Yeah, which, the, the, which, it's, a, it's a train wreck, the cover. And that's. Oh, and I want to say this to all of our listeners. Here, I, say this, I say this to you guys every time You know, we have someone on and we're talking about a book. Reading is important. Books are important. Support this book. It comes out December 21st. It's a great Christmas present. It is. You have a hip hop lover in your life. You have a music lover in your life. I believe documenting history and entering interesting stories and, 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 and just kind of telling these stories is important because like you said, we're all looking at our phones now. People are used to getting things from like, a, you know, the baller alerts and the different things where it's like, you get a little paragraph of something and you get breakdowns of stories. It's really important to read. This is a great read. You can pre-order the book now. It's out December 21st, right time for Christmas. If you're talking about you have a secret Santa you need to do for your music guy, your hip hop person, a book. Everybody yeah. loves a great si book. Simultaneously published audiobook also coming out, narrated, oh, cool. by, narrated by the amazing Dion Graham, who is the voice of the first 48. Okay. Nice. Um, so, yeah. so, guys, there's options for you. And you know you guys are all fascinated with this story. Yeah. So why don't you just put yeah, down the Everybody pretend, Everybody pretends like they don't care, story. but they, but they care this, Because it, it's actually a very fascinating story. It, it really is. You know what Thank I mean? you, guys. Like, yeah, and, and, yeah. And like you guys like you guys were saying in the beginning, like, no, no one is ambivalent about this guy, right? right. No. People people no. either really love him or hate him. No. And, you know, I, I would say there, there are good reasons for both. He's a compelling personality. And, you know, by a, by a combination of like circumstance and good beats and, you know, whatever, he had a, a handful of really compelling songs um, and videos. And, you know, but also he did several really unforgivable things, you know, snitching aside, whatever you think of the ethics of snitching. And that's, you know, who cares what I think about it? I think, right. you know, that's that's up to individual people. But beyond that, there were there were other things, you know, detailed in the in the book yeah. that I think, are, you know, you sort of have to reckon with when when telling this story. Um but yeah, people love a rapid rise and fall tale, and this really yes. is a, it. was a well, rapid well, then rise, this, ladies and, and gentlemen. The fall this was the literally <laughs> off a cliff. Yeah. I mean, it, it was yeah. it was so quick when you yeah. think about it, right? No. They, the the gummo, the video for gummo. I think they filmed it in September, and it came out in October of 2017, and then the arrests were November of 2018. So what, thirteen? You know, about thirteen yeah. months. Right. It's the immediacy. It's the social media uh, career. Um, Sean, first off, happy Hanukkah. I just saw Thank you. Likewise. Behind. You're a way Likewise. better Jew than I am. I didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a way better. Courtney's a way better Jew than I am. I, I know. Mean, like, it's like, I'll ask a question. She's like, I don't I'm like, know. Oh. I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean you don't? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, I was walking the out by the other day and I saw a big candle in the park. I went, oh, right. It's Hanukkah. I was like, it's it like, like, changes Rosh every year. That's like, why. I was like, it's Rosh Hashanah next week. And she was like, like, I don't know. I was like, you don't know. Do I have the day off from school? Yeah. Right. She figured it out. She looked at her schedule. Like, oh yeah, I'm. It must be next Thursday. Yeah. It's next Thursday. Amy, I actually want to ask you something as someone who's who's been around hip hop for a long time. When you sort of get to the part of the story where, and Courtney, maybe you too, where he antagonizes on purpose Jay Prince. 
I'm curious your well. Your I mean, there are certain names that are like Candyman in the right. Say you say him right. three times fast. It's like <laughs> Jack, um, Haitian Jack. Is I remember once doing a story about Wyclef and the editor who will not be named said, "Oh, ask him about Haitian Jack." So I, I had interviewed Clef before and I asked him about Haitian Jack and then I came back and she goes, "Oh my God, why didn't you Wait, talk about Haitian Jack?" I said, because I've you met, told me. And Jay Prince is one of those once and had no, this is who how dizzy I am. Yeah, I've met him, had no idea. No idea. And because I'm so like, you know me, I'm house music dancer. And so when I would hear that name, I'd be like, oh, oh and then I, saw, I was like, I met him. He was really nice when I. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's how crazy things get the duality of certain things and meeting somebody mm-hmm. in a certain way and not having any sort of history to it. And when I worked at Violated, I, I spoke to Frank Lucas on the phone, like <laughs> yeah. had no, no clue. I, and then I, when all that I was like, oh, wait, I've spoken to him. Yeah, I've never had any dealings with Jay Prince. Um, Haitian Jack sort of peripherally. Who was the other one that was arrested? And uh, uh, Jimmy, 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 yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Rose. But yeah, I, yeah. I, it was just one. You know, that's where the advantage of being a middle-aged white woman would come, and I'd be like, I'm not getting. He was nice out. when I met him too. So, <laughs> yeah, they're all nice. If they were horrible, you would not. You know what I mean? If I got horrible. A, but the real deal, T, is how I figured out who all of these people were. Honestly, was my one year of working at Violator was a. First of all, I, that was a good time. I got to tell you, one day we'll sit down. To, my one year in Violator was actually a lot of fun. I started a week after the last time the office got shot up. I had oh, no I was there that wait, week and wait. I'm doing the interview and everybody's wearing a bulletproof no, vest. No, no, no. My, <laughs> first, my first day there, it's the end of the day, right? We're like, do, 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 do. We're all sitting here. And then like all the guys, it's like time to leave. And all of a sudden, all the guys start p- picking up bulletproof vest and they'll start strapping a vest and i remember i'm sitting at my desk and i'm going like this i'm just i'm looking to the left looking to the right so i started looking under my desk so i'm like is it one for me so finally i get up go to motors i was like hey hi um is this something i need to know she's like why i said well everybody's packing to leave but they're all putting on a bulletproof vest <laughs> i don't have a bulletproof vest do I need a bulletproof vest? Yeah, I saw the bullet holes in the thing. Great time. I loved it, though. It was wow. like really, really good. But that's how Did- I found out who all of those players were, because Violator, our office was on 25th Street, and Jimmy Hinchman's office was on 25th Street. Okay. 4040 Club was on 25th Street. 25th Street used to be a hot block. Double XL was stuff. around the corner. You know? And I remember going up to Double XL, and there was like you could no longer go to the back. You had to be met at the front. Remember when Polygram? They were dating ourselves. Mm-hmm. You had to be met at the front, and mm-hmm. and, and and I escorted, was like, right? yeah, yeah, escorted. I was like, yeah, that'll prevent. Wow. So, in to answer your question, I'm just. It was one of those. He's one of those um, shadowy figures, but yet continues. I know people who have worked with him. I know people who have said he's fine, but you're always aware at any moment that he could do real damage to you you know but he's sort of like you know that these teflon dons i mean there are tons of people in in brooklyn i'm sure italians who have done business with mob people their entire life and they know them and it's just a deal with the devil right i mean mm-hmm. you i mean i i have to think that at the point of his career that takashi at that point was in bed with so many fucking people what's one more Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I'm just fascinated by the fact, and I know I keep saying this, that he just thought it could be like, okay, I'm done. Thank you so much. I'm done. <laughs> so you guys, great. I'm done. And it's like, you're from Bushwick. Right. And well, on, on the very next day, <laughs> right. Or maybe the same day they were, they were strategizing on the phone about like, 
okay, well, we can't, you know, we probably can't get to him directly, but if we injure his security, they won't want to be a security anymore. And then we can have access to him. Like they were, you know, and that, as I mentioned in the book, like that sort of him dumping everyone sort of upped their antagonism. And that ultimately right. led the the feds to kind of speed up their arrest. They were, they wanted to because they knew hang around they were like for a while. Days, they knew his, yeah. he was the key. They knew they could flip him because his days were numbered. That's right. what yeah. they were seeing. And he yeah. ultimately was the one who had the least awareness of the streets. Um, well, this is a fascinating yeah. read. Yeah, uh, we really, thank you guys. Everybody, yeah, you um, I'll, I'll, again, I'm going to hold up the cover for the, so people can't see it. I'll, I'll, I'll draw it on our, <laughs> we'll put a picture of it, but it's called Complex Present. Stummy Boy, Takashi 69 and the Nine Trade Gangster Bloods by our new friend, Sean. You know, Sean, I've been a fan of yours for a while. And we finally met last year. So it's we I'm really glad that you did this book. I'm really glad. We're both very grateful that you did the show. Comes out December 21st. Please. You can pre-order it. today. It's available for pre-order today. Please you can buy the book. Online. And remember, support local bookshops, guys. If you have a bookshop in your neighborhood, go in there on December 25th. Get the book. If not, you know, Barnes and Nobles, you know, Amazon, the killer of all small business. Go in there and order it and get the it. Killer the killer of small time. business, but, and then we'll have that conversation later. All yeah. right, Sean, happy holidays to you and yours. Um, thank, thank you, you. Every, both everyone, uh, you guys too. And thank you so much for having me on. This was, this was great. I, oh, I, I had a blast. And we always loved it when anybody who has a cat, when the cat makes an appearance. Yes, my cat. Oh, yeah, yeah, you guys can see Joey. Joey no, is currently yeah, in my lap. Yeah, I have two cats. Strudel and Spoonie usually comes and makes her appearance, and yeah. we just love it when they come she's, and say, "Hey, oh, you're on film. You're on she's camera." She's competitive. Hi. Spoonie is very, and it is finals right now, and she's kind of gearing up to write her paper. She's very competitive, though. She probably sensed that there was more attention on your cat, so she, you know, she's like, oh, "I'll do yeah, it." Yeah, Joey. All, all of all of my my coworkers at this point have met Joey because. He just jumps into my lap for yeah, you know most no. of the day, inclusive of Zoom whatever the uh, whatever <laughs> cat, cats are like children, whatever they can do to disrupt your work day, they will do it. <laughs> and on that exactly. note, Courtney, please give us the fabulous taglines that you do so well. Well, guys, you know what it is. You know where to find us. We're on iHeart, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're on everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know that. So uh also, check out uh, our network, the Pantheon Podcast Network. There's over 70 music shows. You like every type of music, there's a show for you. Lots of scripted, some unscripted, really in-depth stuff. You'll love it. Check us out there. We're on their main page as well every Thursday. And you know where we are on Facebook. I'm going to let you finish all one word. We're on Twitter at Finish Ima. We're on Instagram at I'm going to let you finish and why and you should listen sean's podcast what's the what's the name of the complex podcast it's kashi podcast which is also on spotify right now which is a great companion you should listen to that and then go it'll whet your appetite for this more book yeah it's, it's called it's called infamous the takashi 69 story Perfect. and there you go yeah thanks thank guys we thank love you sean have thank a great you, day thank you. Safe, everybody we'll, we'll see right. you next week bye, bye everyone
Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years' experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I 270 and MD 85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1 800 Gambler. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 